Grace Unfolding. This is uh, Jonathan Buckley. I'm here with Pastor Troy Alby. Today we're going to be covering uh, heaven and um, and the topic. Small subject. Small subject, yes, very much so. We got um, just a couple listener comments to go over real quick before we start. Uh, We have um, Tim from Abington. I've had trouble sleeping lately and this has been the perfect solution. Your podcast puts me right to sleep. Oh boy! Yeah, oh, gracious! It's Man. probably just the intro music, you know. Maybe it is. Yeah, it Could is. It's, um, it's soothing. We have uh, Cindy from Hanover. Wow, wonderful episodes that have have me excited about trying new recipes in the holidays. Oh, you know what? I think oh, I think she's, she's got us confused, maybe with like a cooking, baking, great unfolding podcast. Oh yeah, great cooking. Yeah, great cooking great unfolding. Yeah, maybe that's what she. Not, it's grace yeah, no. unfolding. Sorry, Cindy. Um, hope you can locate the real podcast you were she looking does for. Not want cooking advice from me. I can tell you that much. Um, we have uh, another one. The last episode on money caught my eye, so I have I gave it a listen. And while I could do without all the God talk, I am feeling generous, and I'm writing a check today. That's um, from Austin, Texas. Elon, somebody. Elon, somebody. No last name there. Um, all right, so the subject uh, we have today is heaven, and it's going to be a two-part series. Um, we're going to actually explore a little bit of a, um, a maybe a lengthier episode today, not not too much longer, but um, we do want to uh, get some feedback as far as a couple things goes. Uh, we want to get some feedback as far as you know in the context which you are listening to this. If you're if you're on your way to work on a short commute, maybe you're wanna... folding laundry, which sounds really exciting, right? And you, if if you, so, we want to get an idea of because that we could go more free flowing and longer on the podcast, but we don't. We want to be sensitive to people's time, so we're going to ask you guys to write in with some feedback as to how long you want these episodes to be. So we might be a little bit over today, over our twenty minutes, but uh, not. By much we'll, we'll explore that but anyways we're going to go into a two two-part uh series uh today starting with um uh, on the topic of heaven and uh why are we talking about the heaven troy so john part of the reason i think we're discussing this if so those who may recall from sunday when i was preaching through isaiah chapter 11 those opening 10 verses there's this glorious vision that the messiah the the king would bring and and part of that vision was a time a place Really, it's a future grace, right? It's the future grace reality of a, a, a place where the lion and the lamb lay down together. There's an absence of, of conflict. And in that passage, it talks about um, the knowledge of the Lord covering the waters, covering the world, the earth, as the waters cover the sea. And it says in verse 10, in that day, the day of... of um, in that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, um, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. So I ask people as an application, maybe you recall, John, uh, maybe maybe you don't, um, <laughs> uh, that I said as an application, I want you, here's what you should ask yourself. You know, have I been longing for, praying for the second coming, um, this vision to be a reality? And then, you know, why or or why not? Yeah, and I I mean I I've been thinking about that. I I definitely don't often if if maybe ever pray for the second coming. And I hear um people like sometimes in your prayers in in church you'll you'll um say Lord Jesus come or, or whatever the case is. And I think to myself and I was thinking why am I not um why am I not praying for that? And and one of the things I concluded was that I mean I 
I, I feel as though I'm not yet done on this earth. Right? Mm-hmm. I feel as though there's a lot to be done and a lot of, you know, for me, I want a family. I want to get that done before yeah, Jesus, yeah, Jesus yeah, comes yeah. back. I want to, um, you know, pursue my career to an extent, uh, more so that I want to, I want to have a family of my own. So it's like all these things I want to do and then Jesus can come back after I'm finished. Yeah, and I yeah, know your bucket I, list, my bucket list. And I know <clears throat> that that's not an appropriate attitude to have, but I can't change. Well, I can't, you know, I can't necessarily, um, change how I think of things at the moment. Why do you think people don't think or contemplate more about heaven and the second coming with the, you know, the new heavens, new earth? Right. I think that it's, it's irrelevant to them. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time it's, it's, I'm focusing on, uh, what I'm doing now and in, in that day I'll, I'll enjoy every bit of it, but I, I'm not going to focus on that now. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I think, you know, maybe for some people it's it's kind of an apathy to your point because they're they're pretty self-satisfied here. And, you know, they're not there's not something tangible that they're per se uh, longing for. Um, so maybe that's part of it. Also, I think that they're they're fearful. There's anxiety that surrounds even the prospect of Christ's return, because when the Bible describes Jesus returning, uh, it's to judge the earth. Right. You know, so I think there's a piece of that that's that's unsettling. Maybe some people feel like they have unfinished business by way of a bucket list, but other people feel like they have an unfinished, you know, list of business that pertains to doing good deeds or moral things so that they can be ready to face that judgment, so to speak. Yeah. And you think that even though we as believers don't as Christians don't believe that our works save us, uh, we still think people maybe have some sense of a, I still need to do good works. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's just, there's just some business that they need to do with their creator, the almighty. And that might be something that they're intentionally thinking I'll delay. I'll live my life. Like I want to live. And then, you know, fourth quarter, four seconds to go, you know, I'll get right with the creator. Uh, don't make it today because I've got things to do. And that's not just a bucket list. That's like fleshly, carnal, selfish, sinful, you know, things that are born out of the fruit of unbelief, not the fruit of faith that says, oh, I've got to, you know, I've got to, to go and chase these, these dreams. You know, the other day I was actually thinking about, there was just some restlessness on my own part. This is a couple of weeks ago when I was thinking about, um, things that I want, whether it's peace or, uh, contentment, or I want people who are annoying to get out of my life, or I don't want to wake up tired, or I don't want to have to say goodbye to people. And just this craving, or I'm, I'm tired of waiting. You know, I, I think that there was a, a day you know, a couple weeks ago that I kept thinking, I'm craving something and it's shifting and it's changing what that is. But whatever it is that I'm craving, the, whether, whatever that list was, this world doesn't offer it. I, I, I kept concluding that. So other questions, you. You, you, maybe some questions you want to explore in part one. Remember, people, as you're listening to this, you can always write in so that the second episode will yes, try to we'll, touch upon we'll, it. We'll definitely hope for some questions from you guys so we can help plan our, our second episode a little bit more. So, John, what are some, what are some questions that, uh, that you might have? All right, yeah, so why don't I throw a question your way, if that's okay. What are... Um, what are some biblical and practical reasons that we should long for heaven? Right. So recall on Sunday, I was just challenging us to think about why it is that this is something that we haven't prayed for, we haven't longed for. Not that we went into great detail about what that is. Maybe that's part of why we're having this discussion now. But it sounded like a serene, peaceful, wonderful place that is absent of war and conflict and strife and 
Um, you know, the, the vision there in Isaiah uh, chapter 11 is of a, a small child even playing with a cobra. And, uh, and then this glorious rest that is presented to us because of the Messiah and the power um, that he brings. But I think that one of, the, one of the practical reasons, and maybe it's because you haven't lived long enough sometimes. If you live long enough, then you experience... Yeah, not everybody's lived as long as you. Right. <laughs> I'm definitely middle-aged and bald. But I'll tell you, you know, the longer you do live, then you you realize some of the the things that you thought would, would fill your tank, the things that you thought would satisfy mm-hmm. your soul, the things that you long for that you realize, I've got it now, and it's not everything. It doesn't satisfy me. Why is it that I have something that I'm longing for? Then you also bump into all of the disappointments, the frustrations, the pain, um, the heartache of living in a, in a world that is imperfect, broken, fallen, cursed. I mean, you, you see enough sorrow and grief um, that you start to wonder, is there more and what is that? And of course, as Christians, we have this great hope, not only of past grace, present grace, but also, you know, future uh, grace. There's a passage in Romans 8 um, where Paul is talking about the reality of our present broken world. And he talks about the, the earth and the world. He says, we know that the whole of creation, this is Romans eight twenty two. The whole of creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves having the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So he's talking about you know, a place where we would be freed from the, the broken, cursed world, including down to the very you know, internal um, struggles of our own sin and unbelief completely being gone and redeemed. Yeah, I think we can all identify with that groaning, uh, whether or not we, you know, we realize it or not. Our, our groaning is is for a place that is 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 heaven. Right, and even the sweet, sweet treasured moments and memories of life here in this world just pale in comparison. Like if you think about, uh, as we move into the holidays, just the celebration, the, the songs, the, the sentiment, the, you know, whatever, feasting, being with family, reconnecting with people. Uh, of course, there's other people that say, no, this is the season that I do long for heaven because I'm grieving my lost loved one. Um, others are saying, boy, this is it. This is great. I got a party on Friday night. I've got, you know, family coming in on Saturday, fill in the blank. But at the end, like I would mentioned on Sunday, we still got to put all the decorations away mm-hmm. and we have to go back to responsibility and the, the, the uncertainty of life in this broken world. And that's something that everyone can, can point to who has any you know honesty, transparency or experience in this, this broken world. So I think those are some reasons. The other biblical reason is that we're actually told to. Um, that we would be a people who are longing for, are waiting for um, that second coming. You know, there are verses that uh, that clearly speak to this. One of them is First Thessalonians, when it talks about uh, our conviction. Paul's writing there. And he talks about how, you know, Jesus has died and risen from the grave and that he is, um, you know, our great hope. But he says it there. He says, therefore, encourage each other with these words. And he's referring to his return and the fact that we will be reunited. There's also, um, you know, there's places in in the scriptures that talk about those who long for his appearing. And that's 
you know, an invitation to say, quit being so satisfied, right? Quit, quit, you know, long to be with your creator, because right now we see in a mirror dimly, then we shall see him face to face. So that's another thought that comes to mind as to, uh, you know, a biblical reason that we should be uh, longing for, for heaven and longing for the correction, the the restoration of this broken world. Yeah. And, um, I mean, it's it's hard for us as Christians to to have um, this conversation about um, heaven without maybe considering what is heaven, right? What is it not? Those kind of those kind of things. And um, I mean, oftentimes, in what's heaven in, in portrayed in the movies is you know pearly gates and mm-hmm. and God with a big Angels. white beard yep. and whatever i don't even know what they prefer but but on that topic do you mind um maybe just answering what is heaven and what is it not yeah yeah it's no small task there right and this can't be a comprehensive answer certainly won't be but maybe it's best to just start with what it's not and that's to your point john the the vision of hollywood and movies is oh or, or even you know sometimes children's books or even spiritual Christian books, people get this impression that we're like little, you know, baby angels with wings sprouting out of our back and we're sitting on a cloud plucking a harp, singing praise songs all the day long. And I remember as a young man, going back to your bucket list, thinking, man, I, I that not only do I want to do more stuff on earth, going there sounds boring. I remember <sighs> having an honest conversation with my little brother, thinking, man, does this sound as boring to you as, you know, as, as people imagine it to be? Because I don't, this doesn't sound that appealing. Yeah. Right? It's, it's not physical. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just sitting there singing uh, you know, on and on and on. Now, there are other people that you talk to. I remember uh, this time last year, my, my grandmother in her 90s, godly, faithful woman longing to see Jesus. You know, you would ask her, do you think about heaven, Grandma? And I remember one time, even with her dementia, you know, she perked right up and said, I think about it every day. Yeah. And she was eager to, to sing hymns with me. So I don't want to belittle singing uh, or the, sure, importance sure, of, sure. the importance of praising God. It's just that there is more to the picture. There's a whole lot more um, when you think about it. Now, it's probably best to begin by saying if you were to pick up a concordance, which is essentially a, a topical way of navigating um, different themes or subjects or words, particular words in Scripture, if you see the word heaven or heavens, sometimes that can merely mean the, the scope of the sky. So it, it may have nothing to do with the eternal state. It's just saying the skies, the atmospheric, you know, the firmament of above, whether the stars and the clouds, that could be uh, referring to heaven in Scripture. Right, right, right. There's another place that you would kind of consider the holy heaven, which is uh, the dwelling place uh, of God in his, in his glory. Um, the Bible speaks of imagery that we really can't imagine, a, a garden, a city, uh, a perfect kingdom where there's a king uh, ruling. But ultimately, heaven is uh, a place on, on earth. Um, in, in Revelation 21, when we, when we read about heaven, yes, it talks about streets. Yes, it talks about a city. It talks about trees, a, a mansion. You know, there's, there's feasting. There's, there are meals. There, you know, there are people interacting and having uh, conversations. So, you know, he- heaven is, uh, is not just uh, a praise chorus choir in the presence of God, as sweet as that may be to some, some people's ears. It's also things like, you know, dwelling 
uh, with one another in a world that's not you know doesn't 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 have the curse right that we actually get to enjoy creation renewed restored like, renovated like it was in the garden originally. right right it just you know going back to it restoring us back to Eden yeah. the, the garden in, in in Genesis but yet and I think this is an important piece of that and yet better why is it better well the reason it's better is because Adam and Eve were still under the prospect of you know breaking God's law right 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 so so there was that season when they were you know tested with the clear command of God to trust me to not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because there was a curse accompanied that so they were they were living in that tension of that prospect that they would fall now that's that's done now so but but if you have that then you know it's not a secure eternal state, but we do have that promise that it will be settled and done, not because Adam screwed up or Adam succeeded, but because the second Adam, which Scripture refers to as Jesus, mm-hmm. our representative head, obeyed. So it's on the it's on the merits of Jesus' work, his finished work, sufficient work, his obedience, and his life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return that we will get to enjoy without any threat of it being stolen or jeopardized because of our stupidity <laughs> and unbelief that that's a new heavens and a new earth that is secure better than the garden now what do you what um personally do you long for uh most in heaven that's a great question um Maybe maybe you could answer that, John. I'm curious what other people. What I, I'd like to chew on that for just a second. But yeah, what is no, it, I, What do you long for in the prospect uh, of heaven? Maybe it's on your. Maybe when you feel like you've got your bucket list done and you're in the right. end of a boring day after you know, I have <laughs> you know have kids and and a, a good job. Then no. But the I mean we I thought about this question. What do I long for the most? And and you know in. Um, and no surprise, I started listening when I started kind of listing out my what I was longing for the most. It was all um, regards to my anxiety-free life and mm-hmm. my um, insecurities being gone. And so, I guess going off that, which I am looking for forward to, but I'm truly uh, looking forward to seeing the face of God, the one mm-hmm. I talk to, yeah, the one I talk to so frequently, and and. Yeah. Um, and so definitely that, but it's, it's funny how, it's not funny, it's, it's terrible how my, 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 when I was thinking about that question earlier, I immediately went to things that would be beneficial to me and, and, you know, my anxieties being gone, my, so I don't know, it's. Yeah, John, and that might be a point where I just, if I could interject, I, I wonder if maybe if you'll recall from the sermon on Sunday, in that passage with Isaiah 11, part of the vision is for the nations, for their glorious rest, for their healing, not just for us, not just for Israel. Because one of the things that I talked about on Sunday was it's natural for us to think about how uh, the, the future grace offered to us uh, in, in heaven and in glory benefits us. That's natural. It's, it's, it's natural for you to think about, hey, I, my anxieties, my insecurities, gone. Um, but it's, it's unnatural and it's provincial. It's almost selfish to only think about that and not look at the bigger scope when you think about the restoration and the worship and the joy 
of the nations, plural, people from every tongue, tribe, and uh, nation that are bowing down, explore, you know, experiencing the glory of God and, and truly worshiping him. That's a, that's a bigger vision. That's a glorious uh, vision. But I, I kind of cut you off there. If there's no, other things no. that you would say you were longing for in heaven. I mean, truly longing to, to see the God who I, we pray to all the yeah. time and, yeah. and, to, and to, um, to meet that person. To, to going back to your question for me, which I appreciate that the thing that I long for most, and I actually mentioned this in a letter to the congregation, um, I think last week, when we as a family talk about it, because I like it as a talking point, right, with my kids. What are you longing for? You know, people, kids can talk about what are they longing for on their Christmas break or, you know, this upcoming vacation or, you know, visit. But what I like to ask our family sometimes, what do you long for in heaven? And my answer to that to the kids a couple weeks ago was just no more goodbyes. Yeah. And we, we, you know, we've, I feel like I've had a year of some pretty significant goodbyes. And I, I don't want that anymore. I, I, that's that that's that's you know that's a place of, of sorrow for me to reflect on. Uh, you know, t- you know, temporary goodbyes, but you know, even even permanent goodbyes from you know departing people that we we deeply love. The other thing that I long for in heaven most is just you know no more sin, no more struggle with uh, sin. Um, Archibald Alexander, isn't that a cool name? I love it. Yeah, he was a Presbyterian pastor and professor at Princeton uh, back at the, uh, the Back when of, Princeton had Presbyterians. Well, that's right. That's right. It was founded by Presbyterians. And uh, at Princeton in the 18th century, Archibald Alexander teaching theology, he wrote um, a, a really short essay on heaven. And he talks about these elements of heaven as a place of light and peace, that Christ is the center attraction of heaven. But one little piece in there when he talks about heaven as a reality, he says, heaven is also a rest from toil, trouble, temptation, and sin. Such a rest is very desirable. If it were only a sweet sleep, but heaven is more. And I think that that piece about um, heaven being a place of, of peace uh, the, the, going back to the, the the prophecy of Isaiah, when the Messiah comes, there's no more conflict, is great. But the root and the root of that conflict is really what I want gone: no more jealousy, no more envy, yeah. uh, no no more uh, fits of rage and anger that make me want to to strangle that person who cut me off in traffic, uh, or or worse, being you know terse and impatient and cruel to people that I love. Like the prospect of that never happening again it's pretty good stuff huh Oof. one of the uh, one more brief quote from uh from archibald alexander he says the atmosphere of heaven is exempt from all evil it is purity itself all sin and impurity are denied admission into that holy place so the prospect of that is is great. You know, one of my favorite authors who I quote from time to time is uh, Johnny Erickson Tata. She's been a you know a paraplegic, um, godly oh, right, godly yeah. woman who's been you know confined to a wheelchair for fifty plus years of her life, and yet has made this profound difference. One time, she uh, writes of how she was at a conference or an event, and uh, someone who was an admirer came up and said, "Oh, it's so nice to meet you, and I'm sure you're longing for heaven." And she says, "Well, of course, of course, I am." And she said to the to the to this young girl said to Johnny, "I bet you can't wait till you don't have a wheelchair, you know, a body that is able to to jump and run and and uh, and it's dance." A bold thing to say to somebody, but 
Yeah, yeah. And she said, yeah, absolutely. You're so right. I don't know the age of this girl. But she said, but what I long for more is a heart that doesn't struggle with sin. And for maybe some of you, you might recall on Sunday, I quoted from Augustine's Confessions, a guy who had that bucket list, who had explored every carnal, fleshly, selfish, worldly desire and craving. Like if he, if he could get it, he would go pursue it, whether it was, you know, power or sex or whatever. And then at the, the conclusion of Confessions, uh, when he's converted, he's, you know, confessing that really I, I need God. So he would say, our hearts are restless until they find its, it, our, our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you, God. Our hearts, we were made for God. And so we're going to be restless until we are in the presence of his glory and fullness. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that day. The, um, I don't know if you want to get into a little bit about like what happens when we die. What happens um, when we, you know, our hearts start feeding, like maybe yeah. the technical, a little bit of that? Yeah, I mean, that, that, would, that would probably take us uh, a good bit longer. We can get maybe into that the, next week. Maybe the short answer is it's an unnatural state, right? Like there is, for us to die, you know, we talk about even when Jesus is speaking to the thief on the cross in the Gospels, he says, you know, today you will be with me uh, in paradise. But that that's a that is an in between temporary state uh, when we are separated from our bodies. So we have a soul and we have a body, um, and really, you know, our bodies are just dead. When we die, we we die. Our bodies experience the, the that part of the curse. We decay uh, and we waste away. We're already wasting away. You know, will, he, will we have physical bodies in heaven? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So when you see, you know, visions in 1 Corinthians 15, when we see uh, promises outlaid in the vision of John in Revelation, um, it is a very, it's very much a, a physicality of, of resurrected uh, bodies because we will be uh, like our Savior. Jesus has a body. Yeah. Uh, that's a limitation that he, he has taken on, which is, you know, is, is a beautiful reality. We will have a glorified body uh, like his without the effects of sin, um, without the limitations of, of, you know, the human body as we know it now. It will be, you know, a perfect body. Um, and we can probably pick up on that and explore that, you know, in more detail um, on our second conversation about yes. this and look forward to hearing what people, you know, might, might offer up. Yeah, no, I think that's good. We'll get maybe a little bit more into that, those details next time around, next week, uh, in part two of this. Um, is it possible, Troy? This is a question I had. Is it possible to think too much about heaven? Yeah, you know, there's actually an old saying um, that I've heard that someone mentioned. I can't remember who it's attributed to. They say, you're so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. Um, and... I don't know if that's some like Anne of Green Gables or, you know, I don't know, Anne of Avonlea, I don't know. But um, there's that that mentality that you're just over preoccupied thinking about God and the glories of heaven that you're really, um, you know, in some ways useless or, or, you know, you're not connected. You're disconnected from relationships and reality. Um, but I don't think that's actually possible. And, and here's why. One is there's a great quote um, from C.S. Lewis, and this is what he, he says. He's, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next, the next world. It, it's, since Christians have largely ceased to think 
think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this world. Amen. So if you're not thinking about, if you're so preoccupied in just building your own little selfish kingdom, I want my house, I want my car, I want my accoutrements and, and, and luxuries and materials, then it can be a very self-centered existence. If you're saying, look, my, my home is in glory. My, my home is in the new heavens and the new earth, which is something that comes down out of heaven, by the way, uh, in Revelation, that's set up here. If you're like, that's where my hope is, that's where my identity is, then you're not worried about people's opinions of you. You're not worried about accumulating you know, massive amounts of money just to spend on yourself. You're actually thinking kingdom-minded. You're thinking about the virtues and the values of the kingdom where there is peace and love and, and humility and deference. You're manifesting things like generosity or love or service because you're like, look, this is, this is all fading. And... Um, I'm ready to meet my maker, and I'm not. Um, I'm not trying to just grasp and cling on to these these things. Yeah, what's uh, who's who wrote the book, The Treasure Principle? Uh, Randy Alcorn. Randy yeah, Alcorn. and he actually he has a book. It. He has a book on heaven. Yeah. Oh, does he? He actually has even a book on in heaven, the yeah. Treasure Principle, he, he when he talks about um, storing up things of this earth, he contrasts that with storing up things that treasures are, in heaven. Treasures in heaven, that things are eternal. So I think that's what you know, kind of what you were just talking about there. No, that's great. That's great. All right, why don't we wrap things up there for this week, uh, Troy. And um, I will remind people that there's a second part coming up next week to this uh, episode. And um, I wanted to just remind people that we we do want your feedback as far as how... Questions about heaven. Questions about heaven and um, and even even just the format of the episode. Is it too long? Is it too short? So, but definitely send in some questions about heaven for us so we can uh, we can get on that. And uh, I think that thing wrap things up. Uh, you have been listening to Grace Unfolding podcast um, with Pastor Troy Alby and Jonathan Buckley. We were unfolding the riches of God's gr- of God's grace for uh, the good of God's people. Mm-hmm.